am Chris, and this is my Writing Table podcast, where we talk to authors and other creatives about the writing world and what it takes to create the books that we love to read. Ready? Pull up a chair and let's begin. Wynn received her MFA from Fairleigh Dickinson University. She also holds a doctoral degree in nursing. Born and raised in New Jersey, Karen now lives in Boston with her husband and two children. Our Little World is her first novel. Welcome, Karen. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited, especially now that I found out I'm your first podcast as a (laughs) debut novelist. I'm really excited to be here with you. You are a trained nurse and you've earned a doctoral degree. Wow. How does this segue into your writing. You know, I've really harbored these two interests, a love of nursing and medicine, and then a love of writing for as long as I can remember. And I don't think they're mutually exclusive. At least they haven't proven to be so for me. And at different points in my life, I focus on one more than the other. And historically, it's been the nursing focus. I remember how even in the throes of nursing study, I was always stealing time to write. And then, you know, while working as a registered nurse, I attended a low residency MFA program. So I've continued to pursue writing alongside of nursing for as long as I can remember. And I've taken many, many writing classes over the years. Right now, of course, I'm more in writer mode with the book launch coming up. I think there's a really nice relationship between the two as well. It's interesting because I have found that there's a lot of closet creatives in medicine. And I think it's because you see such profound things and you're helping people at their most intimate and their most vulnerable. And as a nurse, I think it's really about connections with your patients And in fiction writing, or at least the fiction that I like to write or read, you're examining this human connection and condition. So yes, I think there's a nice kind of parallel between the two. And then not to mention that writing is also a great outlet to process and decompress things that you're seeing as a healthcare provider. Well, it's funny. I've been on a roll of people with with medical backgrounds. I had Lydia Kang. She's got the half-life of Ruby Fielding coming out. She's an internal medicine doctor. And then Maisie Eddings has a brush with love and she's I watched that podcast. What's your dental student? I was having all these legal people and now I'm having all these medical people. (laughs) There are four girls in my family and I'm the only one of the three that did not go into nursing. Oh, wow. Okay. I pretend I know enough to be dangerous. That's (laughs) it. Osmosis. Ellen Hildebrand calls your debut a novel about two sisters you'll never forget. Tell us about Our Little World. Sure. So Our Little World is set in the 1980s in a small and idyllic New Jersey town. It's a fictional town. And it's about two sisters whose lives are suddenly and irrevocably changed when a neighborhood girl goes missing at the local eight. And afterward, the sister's little world cracks both inside the home as secrets and guilt and jealousy come between them. And then outside of it, in their community, as the illusion of stability shatters. And Our Little World is a coming of age with a looming mystery. And it's told from the perspective of B, one of the sisters, as an older narrator looking back in time. And this book explores the complicated bond of sisterhood, the corrosive power of envy, and how the traumas of our youths can shape our identities. And it's also a love letter to the 80s. 
And I think that readers who grew up in that era will love the nostalgic pieces of it. How did you celebrate when you sold your novel? Well, I sold my novel at the beginning of the pandemic, actually. It felt like our world was falling apart for a number of reasons. So it was a strange time. And I was so happy about realizing this lifelong dream of mine. But yet I didn't feel comfortable, you know, sharing the news on a larger scale. It felt insensitive. But I was lucky to be able to celebrate quietly at home with my husband and two children. My husband and I popped open a bottle of wine and the children made me cards and it was just really sweet. We had a family toast. So that was this like kind of private moment where we got to celebrate, which was nice. By the time the publisher made the official announcement with the cover image and the pre-order links that were live, it was a few months later. So then at that point, it was nice to be able to share the news on social media and with my larger group of family and friends. You need to celebrate and and really enjoy every step of it because you only get one debut. Enjoy the heck out (laughs) of it. What inspired you to tell the story of Sisters? I wanted to tell a story about sisters and secrets and how seemingly small actions can have lingering and sometimes tragic consequences. And the inspiration for the novel actually came from something that had occurred in my own childhood when I was at the local lake. And I'd love to swim underwater for long periods of time. As I resurfaced, I saw everybody exiting the lake and I wasn't sure why. And so I kind of followed the people out and then it was chaotic and a little busy. And then I finally spotted my mom and she was standing there with the lifeguard who was probably this very nervous teenager lifeguard. And he was literally grabbing little girls and being like, is this her? And then I realized that they had emptied the lake because my mom couldn't find me. And my mom was just standing there with just the most you know, terrified look on her face. And as a mom now, I totally get it. I I still think about that. Anyway, for me, it just seemed like such a great starting point for a novel. What if I or someone else had gone missing that day? Having written this book, you have thought that through about how you would feel if that was your child, I'm sure. Oh, yes. And how could you not? Yes. I had to compartmentalize a little bit because, you know, that's a very dark thought. Did you do anything special for your research? So I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, but it's been a while. So I dove deep. I researched what it would have been like for a child to go missing in the 80s. And it was a very interesting time. Sally Baker goes missing in my novel in the summer of 85. And I think it was just six months earlier that the milk carton program rolled out with missing children on the milk cartons. And there was stranger danger and a really interesting time looking back now about that piece. And there were new laws that were forming about how to search and conduct for missing children. There was a new national database that had just been formed for people to report missing children, which was also in its beginning stages. And I think that local police would have still been a little confused in terms of, do they bring in the FBI? Do they not? Of course, nowadays it's all very routine. The FBI always gets Mm -hmm. brought in, but back then it was, again, a little disjointed, I think, on the local level. And a lot of the efforts were initiated by the parents of the missing children. So I researched that. I researched a couple of diseases in my book, and I researched what it would have been like to have those diseases back then, because I wanted to be both medically accurate and then medically historically accurate too, to the time in terms of treatments that were available and whatnot and monitoring and et cetera. And then on a fun note, I got to research pop culture of the eighties. So we watched some eighties movies as a family, some we couldn't because they weren't appropriate for the kids. Uh, <laughs> oh, but, there were so many. Well, that, now a lot are very inappropriate. movies that were so inappropriate. Yes. Yes. 
Um, but that was fun. And, you know, I Googled even just slang at the time and popular terms and music. You know, I had on my soundtrack a lot of 80s songs. So I felt like I was living in the 80s for a while in my head. Gosh, weren't our clothes just terrible? <laughs> they were so ugly. Oh, God, I look at pictures of the jewelry and stuff. It's just tacky. <laughs> You've written one novel. What mm-hmm. was your process? Are you an outliner? Kind of what do you do when you sit down to start a new project? This book took me a long time because I juggled different roles, you know, as a mother, nurse, nurse practitioner as well. And then of course there was the pandemic. So I don't know that I have a writing routine per se, or at least I haven't historically. I was always just kind of thinking a way to write. I will say that when I am working on a piece or a chapter or revision, I do become very immersed in it though, and dedicated to the process. And so, you know, I'm a morning person, so I'll get up before my children do, before it's even light outside and I'll work. And then after school drop-off, I'll continue to work. I start to fade at night, so you will not find me working at night unless I have a deadline to meet. And then in terms of the process about approaching or thinking about a story, I like to consider the overall theme or themes that I'm trying to convey and the voice. I return to that theme and voice when I'm feeling lost with our little world at one point. I'm I'm not like a chapter by chapter outliner. I like to kind of do big bullet points of things. And, you know, I think at one point I had probably like 15, more like plot points almost, and just even just single line, because I just wanted to keep track of the overall direction of the novel. And that helped me because I remember, you know, when you're stuck in the murky middle being like, okay, in this chapter or chapters, this bullet point is what I'm trying to achieve. And then I need to get you know, the bridge from, you know, say my eight bullet point to 10. Right. And so, and then I'm leading to this. And so that for me was helpful. That's my process. How long did it take you to write this novel? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So I had my daughter in 2015 and I knew that we were done with children and I had finished my graduate work for nursing. I felt like once I was done with that, I was going to get back to my writing. I had known that sort of all along, knowing that I was done having kids. And then in 2016, my daughter was four and a half months old at the time. We had a middle of the night house fire that actually like completely destroyed our place. We all luckily escaped and we're fine. It just kind of got me thinking like, you know, it could have been a different scenario. And I just thought, well, what am I waiting for? Right. And so I think at that point was when I actually really got serious about this book in terms of finishing it and and having a complete draft. And I remember, I think it was maybe that fall that I had asked my mother to come up to watch the children. I was working part-time as a nurse practitioner and I took time off from work. And instead of going to work as a nurse practitioner, I actually went to write. It was great because it was like an investment in myself. And it was the first time I was like, okay, I'm taking this really seriously. And even having my mom come up, who was fabulous, who just did that without any hesitation. And I met my self-imposed deadline of, of finishing a draft. I felt you know, a sense of accomplishment. I'm like, okay, I can do this. And you did. <laughs> and you did something else. You got it published too, which yes. is really awesome. Yeah. Prior to the beginning of your writing career, were there any movies or novels that made you want to write? I think my journey as a writer began really long ago when I was a child. Similar to B, my main character in our little world, I read everything I could get my hands on when I was younger. You know, I remember doing a 50 book summer challenge 
when I was maybe in third or fourth grade, I just devoured books, anything and everything from Judy Bloom to C.S. Lewis to Paula Danziger, Ella Montgomery, Raoul Dahl. So I think just being this lover of books and of reading and realizing the power of story and imagination, that was what first lit the writing fire in me. I loved creating my own stories, whether it was on paper or in my mind. You know, I remember staring out the window on these long car rides and returning to a story that I was creating in my head and that had just been on pause while I was outside of the car. And it would kind of resume when I got back in the car and looked out the window. And it was just such a treat to get back to it. Um, And that's how I feel now as a writer about my stories. Um, You know, I live with these characters in our little world for so long, and it's um, so fun to see other people talk about them and, and for them to come to life. And it's interesting because the first time I probably thought of myself as like a quote unquote real writer, it wasn't, you know, when I published my first short story or even got my MFA. So I've been in this longstanding writing group in Boston since 2009. We would meet monthly and we still meet monthly in one of our meetings pre-pandemic. So, you know, we were in person and these two members were having a difference of an opinion about a character in a short story I'd written. And one thought the character wouldn't have made this choice that he did. And the other was like, no, I think his actions were in line with who he is. And I just remember just sitting back in my seat and watching them discuss this fictional character I had created. And no one was turning to ask me, what do you think, Karen? Or what did you mean by this? Or what was your intention? I thought, wow, he's real to them, just like he's real to me. And my story had come to life. And you know that was a really powerful moment. In terms of movies and TV, I would say I watch TV series much more than movies, and my taste for those very much aligns with the themes of my debut novel. Don't get me wrong, I love a good reality show like Southern Charm. I'm very interested in strong character-driven dramas like Mayor of Easttown, The Undoing, The Missing, but I also like to escape into alternate realities with TV. So I like supernatural series like The Leftovers and The OA. What is next for you? So right now I'm just really enjoying this very exciting time in my life. You know, I'm savoring the moment of being an almost published author and we're planning events and podcasts. So after this, I'll be a seasoned pro, right? <laughs> this is my first you podcast. will, you will, um, of course. I know it's just, it's so fun. And I just feel so incredibly fortunate to be realizing this lifelong dream of mine. And so I'm enjoying the moment. And then post pub in June, I'm going to be going to Sicily for a vacation with my family and my sister and her family and my mother. And it's just going to be such a wonderful trip. I can't wait. And I'm continuing to write and I'm working on my next book, which takes place in present day Boston. And similar to our little world, it's going to have secrets and lies and a tragedy that sets everything in motion. You've got us intrigued now. (laughs) What are you reading now? You mean other than my reviews? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Don't read your reviews. (laughs) So right now, my nine-year-old son and I together are reading The Tale of Despero um, by Kate Camillo. So that's fun. We read that at night. And then I just started reading Ann Patchett's The Precious Days. And on my Kindle, I have uh, The E-Galley of Groupies by Sarah Priscus, a fellow debut novelist. It's been really fun to read these debut novel galleys. And I just received in the mail a couple of days ago, Sally Hepworth's new book, The Younger Wife. So I have so much great reading material to keep me occupied. What do you wish you had known before you began writing fiction? 
you know, I'm actually glad that I didn't know what I didn't know. For me, writing's always just been this hobby, this enjoyable activity that I just love to do that very much belonged to me. So I would just focus on it and escape into it. And gradually over time, I would learn more and more about the craft of writing. And I would gradually read more and more authors and gradually learn more and more about the process of publishing, whether it's in a literary magazine or, you know, in book format. I really just trusted the creative process and was along for the journey. And that's been, I think, good for me to just kind of focus on the writing. Yeah. Just kind of be in the moment. Yep. What would you tell someone who's considering typing out a story for the very first time? I would tell them to enjoy it, to live with their characters, not to write the story with the aim of publishing it, but to write it because they want to write it because they need to write it. And I would tell them it's a marathon, not a sprint. And that, you know, even when a story feels done, it may not be done, that they may want to revisit it again in a few months and maybe even a few months after that. And I would just tell them to start, though, to start because you have to start somewhere. Thank you, Karen. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. It's been such a pleasure. To learn more, visit KarenLWin.com. If you're enjoying The Writing Table, please consider leaving us a review. There are so many podcasts out there. Reviews help other listeners find us. Thanks so much for your support.